0: Mary Kay Andrews is the author of The Newcomer, a novel, and also The Santa Suit of Coming. Mary Kay is the New York Times bestselling author of Sunset Beach, The High Tide Club, The Beach House Cookbook, The Weekenders, Beach Town, Save the Date, Ladies Night, Christmas Bliss, Spring Fever, Summer Rental, The Fixer Upper, I'm still going here, Deep Dish, Blue Christmas, Savannah Breeze, Hissy Fit, Little Bitty Lies, Savannah Blues, and Hello Summer. A former journalist for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. She lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome, Mary Kay. Thank you so much for coming on Mom's Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss both The Newcomer and the Santa Suit. Hey, Zibi. It's great to be with you. Great. So Mary Kay, first of all, the newcomer came out several months ago, but we're finally getting to this interview and I'm so sorry about that. And it's it's so <laughs> I've been so backlogged that Your next book is coming out before I can even talk to you about this book. So tell us about both books and we'll just, we'll get into it that way. Yeah. So The Newcomer, which came out in May, is
2: about a young woman. Her name is Letty. And when the book opens, she pulls into the parking lot right at dawn of one of those vintage mom and pop motels on Florida's Gulf Coast. The sun is just coming up. She's Terrified and exhausted, she falls asleep immediately. She's got a four year old in the back seat of her car who's also sleepy. And that child is not her daughter, it's her niece. And they are on the run from the law and from a lot of other things. And so, Letty doesn't really know why she's ended up at the Murmuring Surf that's the name of the motel. All she knows is that her sister is dead. Her sister is the mother of the four year old in the back seat. The little girl's name is Maya. And her sister had been in, in a very contentious custody battle with her ex. And one of the last things her sister, Tara, tells her is promise me if anything happens to me, if anything bad happens, it's Evan promise me if something happens, you will take Maya and run. And so that's what Letty does. And she ends up in, and she is the newcomer, at this quirky mom-and-pop motel that's full of senior citizens and snowbirds and regulars. And and that's sort of where the story starts. So there's some mystery and there's some romance. And always in my books, there is a lot of setting.
0: True. Yes. I felt like I was in this place so clearly the way you described it. And, you know, even from the original pulling up and the no vacancy and the, you know, getting used to the neighborhood and it's just, it was so vivid the way you just drew the reader right in. So,
2: Well, you know, I I think I, for my books, I want to put my reader right in the middle of the story. I want them to I want them to see the sun coming up over the Gulf and I want them to hear the surf and I want the, I want all of that. I want a big juicy book and I want to put them in there right now. Interesting.
0: Did you always start your book? Is that, was that your philosophy from the start? Like tell me, go back to the beginning for two seconds and then we'll catch back up here of how you even started writing this type of book and how you started writing in general. I mean, you've written so many books. It's amazing. and so impressive. And I'm in such awe. So tell me how it all began. Well, I worked as a newspaper reporter for 14 years. And
2: at the last 10 at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, I was a feature writer. And like a lot of other working moms, I wanted out. And so I began tunneling out by writing fiction in secret. I wrote one book, That didn't sell. The second book sold just based on five chapters. So I quit my day job. (laughs) And, you know, I've always been a big reader. I'd always loved mysteries. So I started writing mysteries under my real name, which is Kathy Hogan Trochek. I wrote a mystery series set in Atlanta. And then I wrote a different kind of book. It was set in Savannah where I had lived and worked a couple different times. And that book was Savannah Blues. And my publisher decided we are not going to sell it as a mystery, even though I I wrote it thinking it was a mystery. My editor, who was very wise, said, nobody cares who done it. They just want to know if Wheezy Foley, the protagonist, if she gets what she wants. And so that book was Savannah Blues. And we decided not only to market it as just women's fiction, but also I decided I would take on a pseudonym. So Mary Kay Andrews is a combination of my children's names. My daughter Katie is Mary Mary Kathleen and my son is Andrew. And the other, the other thing I did when I picked that pseudonym was, you know, fiction shelved alphabetically. So I decided I would be an A. So (laughs) my readers don't have to squat when they're looking for my books. (laughs) So yeah, I always, you know, I always loved Elmore Leonard and Donald Westlake, because they always put you right in the middle of the action of the book. And that's where I want to I jump in. And, you know, Elmore Leonard's most famous
0: advice to writers is, I leave out the part, readers skip over. <laughs> so I try to remember that. I love that. I know I have to say you're more focused on your readers than almost anybody I've spoken to, that you are keeping them so front and center at every moment. When you sit down and you're at your computer, I'm assuming at a computer, and you're typing away and you're thinking about your scenes, are you always thinking about the reader or do you, are you letting yourself sort of like fall into the process or tell me what that experience is like for you?
2: Well, it's different, different days. Some mornings, you know, I write in bed that became my COVID habit. When there was nothing to do and nowhere to go, I put my laptop by my bed and every morning started waking up and writing at 7am. So I was writing in this little cocoon. So some mornings I'm so in the scene, nothing else matters. It's, It's like that little black tunnel you're in. And then lots of times I'll go back and when I'm editing and revising, I'll think, does the reader care? Do they need to know that or is that just me doing verbal somersaults? Is that just me being cute? And I want I want my reader to to love the story. And if it doesn't serve the story, if it doesn't serve the character, I took a writing workshop with Sue Grafton early in my career. And she what she said was every paragraph has two jobs. It has to either advance the plot or inform about the character. And so you know, sometimes you're, you're doing a transition or you're doing your scene setting, but I do try to keep that in mind because I write commercial fiction. I write commercial fiction and that's what I do. And so I always keep that in mind.
0: Interesting. And then how did you end up starting Friends in Fiction? And then let's go back to the Santa suit after that. But how did you, how did you get involved with all the ladies from Friends in Fiction and end up starting that?
2: Yeah. So what happened was I'm friends with all these authors. So many of us know each other, especially the women. So Patty Callahan, Henry, Mary Alice Monroe, Christy Woodson Harvey, Kristen Carmel. We all had spring summer books coming out in 2020 and our tours were all canceled. I had a six week book tour canceled. And so we were spinning And I said, well, you know, I have a pro Zoom account, sort of like Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. My dad's got a barn. Let's put on a show. (laughs) So I said, I have a Zoom account. Let's get on a happy hour Rosé call and let's see if we can't figure out something to do. A, so obviously, selfishly, to promote our books. B, we were really worried about independent booksellers. How were they going to be impacted by this COVID, by the shutdown of bookstores and everything and and see to help promote other authors who were in the same boat and we were really worried about debut authors because when you're starting from nothing getting out to bookstores and getting out word of mouth is so important so we started talking about it we thought well you know what if we did a wednesday night facetime live show we started out doing it from my facebook account because i had a larger a larger following And that first show was so comic. I was in my pajamas because I didn't think anyone would watch. (laughs) My daughter was doing tech. So you can see her crawling out of camera range. I know what you, I know you know what all this is about, Cindy. (laughs) And we were amazed when people started watching. And very quickly, we decided to have on guests because who wanted to hear us talking about our own books? So our first guest, not too shabby, was Kristen Hanna. And we hired a tech company, which was the smartest thing we ever did. We hired our managing director, the amazing Megan Walker of Tandem Literary. And to our amazement, people started telling us, I'm waiting every Wednesday night. I want to be there. I want to see it. And so, you know, they don't have to watch it live. They can watch it on YouTube. They can watch it later. But we're up to almost 50,000 followers on our Facebook page. So
0: it took off in a way we never anticipated. We thought we'd do it for six weeks. That's amazing. Do you have any highlights from the show or people that you were super excited to talk to?
2: Oh, I'm I think we're super excited about every guest. There, every guest is somebody who we've heard of or whose book we're excited about, we're fans of. You know, Delia Owens was amazing. Kristen, of course, was wonderful. Everybody loves Karen Slaughter. She's so zany and you never know what's <laughs> going to happen with her. We had William Kemp Kruger for This Tender Land, which was great. We just had Vanessa Riley for Island Queen, which is an amazing book. And we love talking to authors that maybe are readers, authors who, they're not on our readers' radar. We want We want to say, hey, have you read this author, you, you know, let's expand our boundaries a little bit. Let's read something we're not, we're not used to reading. So that's really been fun and and really rewarding for all of us.
0: Are most the people who follow you also, I know most of you authors are sort of not to geographically constrain you, but from the South and a lot of your characters are from the South and take place, the stories take place down there. Is that where your audience is a lot, or is it just everywhere? I
2: think it's all, honestly, I think it's all over. And we have, we have viewers who are international. All of us live in the South and that's an accident of geography. We didn't just say, oh, we're only going to have Southern offers. So much of this was just, you know, literally Let's let's throw this thing together. We didn't know what we were doing. So we we really tried to consciously ask and have guests who were, you know, from outside the South, from you know, the only thing really in the past that's kind of kept us from going more international is the platform that we're operating from. But now it turns out we're going to be able to do some more of that. And we have a podcast too. So I interviewed Tana French for the searchers and, you know, we had to overcome, oh my gosh, what time is it where she is in Ireland? So, you know, yeah, we really, we really made a conscious decision to kind of stretch and grow our
0: viewership. Love it. So great. Wait, okay. Tell me now about the Santa suit comes out very soon.
2: Yes, Santa Suit is out September 28th and it is just a sweet Christmas story. I think after the year we've all been through, I wanted I wanted something that would take my readers away from themselves, away from thinking about masks and vaccines and lockdowns and worry. And so I decided to write a secret book. <laughs> I handed in the newcomer early for the first time in my life last October. And instead of starting work on my book for summer 22 in secret, I thought I'm going to write a Christmas book and I'm going to finish it. So this was October. And I said to myself, if I can't finish it by January, it's, it's a non-starter. I didn't tell my agent. I didn't tell my editor. It was the first time I'd written a book on spec since my career started 30 years ago. So it's about, Ivy Perkins has just come out of a bad divorce. She's very bruised and sad, and she wants a fresh new start on life. She's been living in Atlanta. She's been running a marketing company with her now ex. She sells her part of the company to him. She packs up her dog, Pumpkin, in her Volvo, and she buys a house. She She's fixated with owning a, a, an old white farmhouse in the, out in the country, and she buys this house for Rose's Farm, sight unseen. She sees a listing online and buys it, very unlike Ivy, who has had a very normal, rigid life. And she drives up to this house. It's the week before Christmas. And what she discovers there, and she wants to hide from Christmas. She just she's over it. And what she discovers is that you really you really can't you can't hide from being part of a community and you can't hide from life. And the first night she's in the house, the family she's bought the house from have left everything. It's been in an estate. They've left all the furniture. They left the clothes in the closet. And she's dumping the clothes out of the closet. And on the top shelf, she finds a box wrapped in Christmas paper. Inside is a beautifully made Santa suit. And she comes to discover that the previous owners of the house, they were sort of Christmas central for this mountain community. They decorated the outside of their house with thousands of lights every year and the husband and wife who've passed away were Mr. and Mrs. Santa Claus. And when she's looking at this suit, she finds a crumpled up note in the pocket from a little girl asking Santa Claus to bring her daddy home. And so
0: that's how the story starts. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. I love it. So how do you keep up your energy? How do you... <laughs> no, I'm serious. You're. I mean, the idea that at this point you would try to like sneak in an extra book as if it's just like a TV show you're watching before bed. I mean, seriously, how do you do that?
2: Well, it doesn't hurt that I'm an empty nester. It doesn't hurt that I have an incredibly supportive husband who takes over laundry and cooking and my grown daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren live around the corner, so they help out. You know, I think my work defines me and i feel i feel as though if i'm not writing who am i and maybe that maybe i'm shallow <laughs> and i tear my hair out and make myself insane right now i'm i'm really up against deadline for summer 22 because i snuck in that extra book which i now have to go out and promote so i tear my hair out and i wail and i gnash my teeth and i know but i know that i'm going to get it done and i give myself i give myself word quotas page quotas I have not missed a day of writing in in three and a half months. Wow! It used to be that I just kind of meander around, saunter around. Yeah, I'll get to that. But late in my career, I have discovered that discipline, it's the salvation against insanity.
0: (laughs) Did you make that up or is that an expression? I don't know. I think I just made it up. (laughs) I love it. All right. I think it belongs on a pillow or something. I, I wish I were disciplined about
2: fitness, about walking and eating the right foods and doing all those things, and I hope I hope I'll get back to those things. I wish I were
0: disciplined with those things as well. Yeah, that would right
2: now it's just me in that tunnel and the laptop and my notebook. <laughs> I mean, how do you do it all? You've got you've got young kids at home. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know. You've been through, <laughs> and you've been through the kind of COVID terrors that. The rest of us, you know, we dread. So, I mean, I I follow you. I know your kids have been on lockdown. They've had COVID. You've had family losses. So I don't know how you pile that on top of what everything else you do.
0: That, I think, is why I do what I do. (laughs) I mean, this is my escape. You know, I love this. I feel like, yeah, I, I, I love it. I love hearing other people's stories, whether I'm reading them or literally talking to them like you and me here today. Like, there's nothing I... I can never get sick of of hearing people's stories. I find it endlessly fascinating to hear about people's lives and read about it and put myself into their shoes. And I find there's nothing that calms me down as much as doing that. So I just try to do it more the more stressed out I get.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's what we love about Friends in Fiction is talking to other writers and hearing from them. It's so inspiring. We always ask them for a writing tip. We ask them what they're reading currently. And, you know, I did tour this summer for the newcomers. And I was so amazed by how many fans of Friends in Fiction came up to me in bookstores. And we weren't hugging. They were wearing masks. But they said, you know, you saved my life. You gave me a place to go on Wednesday nights. And I would turn on my computer or I would watch you on YouTube or Facebook and my husband would know not to bother me because I'm going to spend this next hour talking about books, listening to writers talk about books and they post on our Facebook page and they're sharing. It's really a great community because they're sharing with people they've never met mostly in real life saying, oh, did you like that? I I didn't care for it. And then someone will say, keep reading, don't quit. It's so worth it. So that's been
0: wonderful. That is wonderful. Oh, I love that. That's great. Well, let me ask you your friends in fiction questions now. What is your writing tip and what are you reading?
2: Well, my writing tip has been the same one for a long time. And, it's, and I need to, I have to keep reminding myself of this. You can't fix what you ain't wrote. So get, when you're writing, get it down on paper, in your laptop, in a document. Fight the self-loathing. Fight the inner terrors, just write and keep writing. And my philosophy is I try not to back up, go all the way to the end of your story and then back up. Then you can revise. Then you can make the, you can polish the words until they sparkle like jewels. But if you sit there paralyzed by fear and self-doubt, you're just going to erase a hole in that piece of paper. So keep going no matter what, get to the end. And and it helps if you tell yourself what you want the end to be. Now, lots of times I change it, but I know where I'm going, kind of. I have a roadmap. What I'm reading right now, we're having Emily Henry on Friends in Fiction Wednesday night. So I'm reading her book, People You Meet on Vacation. And then I've got, you know, a stack of stuff like you. I've got physical books. I've got advanced readers copies. I've got NetGalley books. So...
0: Yeah, I feel like I've got a fortress of books all around me. And I see your fortress. Yeah. It's great being in a fortress of books. There's, yeah. Right? It's there's no place I'd rather be. <laughs> right, right. Excellent. Well, Mary Kay, thank you so much for coming on Mom's No Time to Read. Books. Thank you for the newcomer and the Santa suit and all of your work and your dedication to to keeping the reader in mind. I think it's so important and awesome. I loved you he- hearing you talk about your sense of identity coming from your work because i think that's the most powerful thing that all of us can do these days is contribute in some way that gets us so excited to right. get out of bed or in your case stay <laughs> in it all day to get your work done so yeah, i just put on a, i put on a real
2: clothes to talk to you i'm really proud of myself
0: thank you so much ah, you're welcome i mean i have on
2: yoga pants i think everybody has on yoga pants
0: That's okay. I'm wearing like a shirt dress. I don't even have on pants. So there you
2: go. It was great being with you, Zibby. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming. Uh Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.